Welcome to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. Let's take a look back at the week that was in Cleveland sports. What a wild week of the Browns we had. We fi- we finally had our first roller coaster of the offseason getting into the regular season. Uh, this is training camp ramping up. We usually have more of a roller coaster experience. It had been, I would say, very calm, not calm, but dull. Not a lot of buzz, not a lot of zip. Sometimes it wasn't going on our practice. That was not the case this week. When the team left to Philadelphia starting on Monday on, a lot of um, – Monday was so-so. We got some reports we'll get to. From Tuesday on, there was a good 72-hour period from Tuesday and Thursday where a lot of scuttlebutt. And obviously we'll get to the Cade York mess here in a second. But I first want to start off by saying, you know, the tone was really set – by Monday and Tuesday. Um, they were intense practices, which we all knew they would be. We knew, and we've been speaking all year about how excited we are about this new Browns defense, about how excited we are about a new defensive coordinator and new scheme in Jim Schwartz. Just so excited, so electric um, with, with what we've been seeing and hearing from people on the ground in Berea and throughout wherever the Browns may be, um, whether it's Greenbrier or whatever else. And on Monday, that, that held serve. The Browns defense, from all reports, did a great job on the Eagles. Really shut them down. And the Eagles complimented themselves doing the same. The Browns the offense didn't do as much either. So the defense won the day on Monday. Monday was pretty calm for the most part, other than just people getting excited, as fans should be about the defense. I mean, fans were really excited about the defense. Okay. So then we move on to Tuesday. And from all reports on Tuesday, the Eagles' offense kind of ruled the day over the Browns' defense, but the Browns' offense could not return serve. Sound like the Eagles were very heated about how poorly you got that vibe from players who are playing for Philly, but how poorly they performed in that first uh, practice scrimmage against the Browns. So I think Philly was really in tune to punishing the Browns and they certainly did on offense, and it sounds like they did on defense too. When it got back by Wednesday morning, uh, there was a, quite a bit of journalists who were are talking heads that are freaking out. I mean, Wednesday was freak out Wednesday. Oh, my gosh, are we ever going to score again? Oh, my gosh, I can't believe we're far, far behind, and we can't throw the ball down the field. And what's this mean for the Browns in the regular season? And, Wow, why can't we see more of a production on offense? And, you know, when are we going to not have a uh, 13-play drive, but a four-play drive, score a touchdown, et cetera, et cetera? From all parts of the industry, no matter where you're writing or talking from, Wednesday we saw a complete freakout by the Browns coverage teams who were ever on the field. Freaking out about Deshaun Watson in the passing game. I mean – Full tilt, freak out. And I got to be honest, I'm surprised. I'm not disclaiming the reports. I'm sure they didn't perform well in practice. I'm sure they didn't, maybe they didn't perform well either on Monday. I'm sure both reports are very accurate. But I'm just surprised about how, you know, we're freaking out about two practice sessions. Yeah, when yes, you want the office to perform better, but there is no logic anymore. I'm going to get to here in a second, too. 
And they did perform well against the Washington Commanders, and the Commanders do have a good defense. Not elite, not great, but an elite defense. And there's a lot of people that spoke out about freaking out about how the Browns are not ready for this uh, new era passing game, I'll call it. Throwing the ball down the field, not getting third downs, first, second downs, turning into first and second downs again, no third downs, et cetera, et cetera. There's, this seems to be the new claim on football. And I was surprised about the freakout. I'm not surprised to hear the Browns did badly. I mean, that on offense, okay. Maybe they didn't perform well. But after watching the Commanders game and seeing what I saw against Washington, I don't know if I feel as badly or worrisome. I mean, I'm not saying this is the you know the 49ers offense from the late 80s, early 90s with Joe Montana. But I am saying, from what I saw in one, in one drive in a preseason game against a good defense, kind of know what to expect now moving forward. And the one part I want to mention is Elijah Moore is not there. And yes, he is new. And yes, he is not the quarterback. But from what I saw from that first preseason game, the Browns are going to have a very unique tool of someone who's going to really help out the offense and help a defensive scramble in Elijah Moore. He, he can be that talented. Well, we have to see in the regular season. But from what I saw in a few a handful of uh, preseason plays against Washington, I mean, it's Eric Metcalf's type stuff. He's going to stretch the defense. He's going to make big plays. He's going to force defenders to do something. It's all very, very exciting stuff. I mean, really exciting stuff. So, you know, that's why I was taken back by all, again, not debating they played poorly. I, I, I get it. I hear it. And I do trust people on the ground to say that. That means they, they probably did play poorly. What I'm saying is I'm just surprised about the reverb, about how worried everybody was. After what I saw against Washington, the offense looked good. And they frankly didn't really put a full gas pedal effort near the goal line. I think, I mean, from what I saw, my not all my nerves, but some of my nerves to most are gone. It's like, okay, I kind of know what we have here. Elijah Moore is going to play a big part of this offense, and Deshaun Watson looked good. Not great, not fantastic, but good. This discussion about Deshaun Watson needing to throw the ball down the field more, sure. Absolutely. Love to see it, and they got to do more of it. I can't answer why that hasn't happened in practice. Haven't been on the ground to witness it, so I don't know. Did not see in the first preseason game where he played against Washington. Obviously, he didn't play in the Jets one or the Philly one, but the one where he did participate against Washington, he didn't throw the ball against Commanders on the field. No question. So I can't comment on that. But I was taken aback by everybody just really getting rankled about this. I would just say it's not perfect, and I, I get it. They didn't play well against the Eagles, the Browns offense. Don't know if that means it's time to just jump ship and start really – I mean, people freaking – out freaking out over practice which most of us didn't watch but it was across the board people from whatever publication who were there in philly said not good worried concerned i mean that's the majority of the noise not all of it but pretty much majority
So that's how what we had going into the preseason game. And again, my big lesson here is take for the fact they struggled against the Eagles on offense and they're not throwing the ball down to feel like they walk. Okay, get it, got it. But take as a grain of salt. It is two practices. Again, Elijah Moore, from what I saw, is going to be a big part of his offense. Yes, he's new. Yes, he's not the quarterback. I think it's okay. He he could be. I think he's going to be a star. So I wouldn't even get too freaked out about that. He's a big part of his offense now. Is what Watson? I would say this is Watson Chubb. From what I can see early on, I think Elijah Moore might be third. And it sounds like Cooper's not having the best of camps. I haven't seen him perform yet. Let's see. But that's what we're seeing early on going into this game on Thursday. We're going to get to everything else in the game, but we're going to start and end this first segment on Cade York. Browns tied against the Eagles in the regular, in the preseason game. No regulars, starters on the field. I just said no, there are regulars, but no starters on the field for the most part. Maybe Jordan Elliott. I don't think he's going to be starting anyways, but for the most part, these are all second, third teamers playing. And obviously some fourth stringers are not going to be around much longer. And then there's Cade York. Who did start and will be the starting kicker, obviously. He's the only one kicker on the team. Cade York, who had a great night at one point, three for three on his field goals, an extra point. Felt pretty good, and he should. It was a good way to end this week. Add a safety in there, and the Browns were tied with the Eagles 18 18. Browns put a nice drive together, got themselves in field goal position, 47 yarder. And I said to myself, man, this is a great opportunity for Cade York to really wash away everything in one game. So he makes this kick. We're kind of back to square because it's a game-winning kick. Of course, he missed. Same fluttering ball trick that we've been seeing all preseason. And then they got a reprieval, penalty on the Eagles. Next kick, pretty much the same. 41-yarder the missed. 41-yarder, by the way. There's been a lot of debate about holding issues. I realize this young man's got a lot of pressure on him. So it's not against the young man. It's not against the individual here. Meaning like, I'm sure Cade York is a good person who means well. So this is not against Cade York as the human being. This is just performance, right? This performance is not good enough from Cade York. I am surprised the Browns are going to try to play this out. This is not a year to play development. This is the year they have to start winning, and we're going to develop a kicker. As I keep hearing, he's going to kick his way out of this. Okay. Big risk. R-I-S-K. Risk. At a Y-E. This is risky. You're putting, in, in NFL, you're putting your hands and a lot of faith in kicking. You have to make kicks. You have to make extra points. That's how this league works. It's how we all work in the NFL. You gotta make extra points, you gotta make field goals. Certain drives, you're gonna have to make a kick. Specifically, you're gonna have to make a kick probably like once or twice a game. You would hope. If you're not, that means you're losing bad. Very rarely is it all touchdowns and extra points. The Browns have been very steadfast on keeping Cade York, keeping this emotion calm, and not bringing anything in. And I think that is a mistake. I do I think it's a big mistake. Cade York, you cannot put the season on developing a kicker. And the Browns are developing a kicker. 
He's made one kick and trial in a big spot. That's it. He has not performed well last year. He's not performing well in the preseason. It isn't like we don't have a sample size here. Again, pay the man his contract. He deserves the money. But he's got to go. This is a big mistake here. I'm, I'm very believing in this. This is a big mistake. Could he kick his way out of this? Sure. Could he maybe figure out his groove? Yes. I think that's a huge risk. It's not worth the risk. There's no proof yet he can do this on a professional level. There's no proof. We got, we got drips and drabs from college and practicing. And his practicing stuff's got to stop. Diamond kicks in the real games. These preseason games are not real, but this is what we saw last year in the regular season outside of one opening day game. Again, nothing against the young man. Don't want to hype on it too much, but this Cade York thing is a big deal, and he has got to go. This could cost the Browns games. It's not against the individual, but this is big-time football, and we're not here to develop this year. We're here for wins not development. We will get back to the rest of the preseason and everything else that happened in the third preseason game when we come back. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. If you love great content as soon as the Guardians, Browns, and Cavaliers game is wrapped up, you can hear me at Official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. That's at Official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. Check it out. I'm there after every last pitch. Was there today earlier during another Guardians defeat, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. Browns 2. I do a Browns pregame, Browns halftime, Browns everything. Check it out. Cavaliers down the road. Buckeyes, not too far away. Maybe they'll name a quarterback by the time the Indiana game plays. Of course, I'm teasing. But go to at official Cleveland Sports. Believeintheland.com for all sorts of great articles about the city we love, the three teams, Buckeyes football 2. Check it out at um, BelieveInTheLand.com, BelieveInTheLand.com. And, of course, go to Believe in the Land on YouTube. Check it out. All right, back to the Browns. And, you know, to wrap up real quickly on Cade York, against nothing against a young man personally. And I feel for him because he's got to be under tremendous pressure right now, and he's going to be feeling it a lot heading into this last preseason game. And um, whether it's fair or not, he's getting paid millions of dollars, so it's very fair that level does not mean he's a bad person or a terrible failure in society or life. But I can't say it's enough. Cade York, we cannot be sitting here trying to groom a guy like Cade York into becoming something he's not. He has not been making field goals. He has not been consistent. He really has not been playing well. So to think all of a sudden that he's going to turn around is not fair. It's just not right. And I don't think it's the best thing for the team. I just don't. I just don't think it's good for the team. I think this is going to be a hard struggle to get Cade York back up and running. And there's nothing wrong by saying, look, it just didn't work out. We're going to bring someone else in to make field goals. You can't be thinking in the back of your head, boy, is Cade feeling right tonight? And hopefully he's going to make this kick here in this big spot. Can't be doing that. And they're going to be thinking that if they keep him around. Not saying it's always going to be hunky dory with whatever you put in there. But you simply just can't say, you know what? This is it. We're going to rely on this, and away we go. You can't, can't do that either. You have to be reliant, very reliant 
on your kicker to some capacity. The Browns right now have it, there's hard to get any viable on Cade York can do other than miss. Very, very, very hard. Okay. Preseason game. We saw another great performance from DTR. Let's lead off there. Um, DTR, I shouldn't say great, but he played very well. He is definitely looking the part. In fact, if he had more playing time, I kind of wonder how much better he would improve as a quarterback. He's actually gotten to the point now where I kind of look at DTR and I go, I don't think he's the number two right now, but he could be the number two right now if something happened to Dobbs. I'd be fine with it. And if he continues to play like he has been in this preseason, you know, next year there's going to be a little noise about what DTR can do if he were the starter. And that's how well he's playing. He plays really confidently. He makes good plays. He looks the part. And outside of just a little bit of pulling back on the reins and making tackles, which he should not be doing as a quarterback, he likes to go out there and throw his body around. You can't be doing that if you're the quarterback. Not smart. But outside of that, he looks the part, plays smart, plays like a veteran, really can throw the ball, and he's athletic. He's he's exciting to watch. I thought he played really well again. He opened up. He's opening up my eyes the more and more I watch him. The more I see, the more I like. The more I wonder, what is this going to be down the road? I mean, DTR's really had that kind of punch up his ass right now. He's really playing well. And I'm not saying it's totally shocking, but it is, you know, it makes, makes a guy wonder, like, wow, could this? Is this, what, is this what we got here in this kid? And again, if he continues to play like this, he, he, you're going to hear some drumbeat. Uh, wonder if DTR would start or what would happen. You're going to start hearing that drumbeat a little bit. Really are. Going to start hearing that boom, 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 DT. DTR is pretty good. Not going to hear it this year. You're going to hear it next year. I think if he continues to play like this, you're going to start hearing a, not a lot, just a little bit. Because he's that talented. He's playing that well. Good for DTR, and it's a great thing for the Browns. They have drafted a quarterback here who they can stash away and know that he's there waiting in case something happens. That's what you want in an organization. They have that now. DTR is that guy. The other big standout on offense was Austin Watkins, who has been getting a lot of hype since the Greenbrier practices. And you, you'll hear him, and you'll see him, and you'll read him in reports. He stood out to me. Um, as he stood out to everybody in that game on Thursday. Um, he looked like a professional wide receiver you see on Sundays. He looked better than David Bell. He looked a lot better than Anthony Schwartz has been up to this point. He looks better. You have to keep him above those two. Cedric Tillman's going to make this team. Got it. You want Akeem Grant to be there? Okay, got it. Marquis Goodwin. You know, I get it. Got it. You've got to keep Watkins Jr. Um, he has really played that well, and I have not seen moments from David Bell or Anthony Schwartz that compare to what I've seen from uh, from Watkins. I just don't see it. And David Bell's had a better camp. I think Schwartz is the same. I, I don't mean to, again, it's another one. Not him personally. He's, just, he's not good. Schwartz is not good at all. He should not. I mean, that's NFL not for long. 
But David Bell has not looked as impressive as this kid Austin Watkins has. Austin Watkins is finally hitting his group. I know he's been out there for a while. Clearly no one saw what the Browns are experiencing right now with him. And to the Browns' advantage, he is playing that well. He looks that good. I can see him playing on Sundays very, very, very easily. Kid's good. Need to get him a spot on this team. Like what I see from Austin Watkins. Not fluff. Real. Real good stuff. He is legit. And the other one's Diabite on defense. He was fantastic. I mean, just fantastic on Thursday. He got a safety, caused a fumble. Just really just everywhere around the field. Diabite, the linebacker, I think is going to, again, got to find him a spot. The Browns, for the first time, I'm seeing guys grabbing spots, not falling into spots. That's a very good sign. Austin Watkins is grabbing a spot. He's not just happening to come across it. He's, he's grabbing a spot. That's a good sign. It's a good sign Diabetes grabbing a spot. He's forcing, hey, you can't cut me. And you can't cut him. Guy likes to hit. Guy likes to play special teams. What's not like to what's not like to what is not to like? Diabite, um, I have not noticed until this week. I've seen Austin Watkins. Diabite, not until this game, but boy, he stood out. And in fact, even outside his two plays, he you could feel his presence on the field. Good player. I don't know if he's been playing a lot on Sundays on defense. The same with Austin Watkins, doing a lot of wide receiver. But if again, it's like DTR. If you're in a spot and you have injuries, Diabite, okay. Austin Watkins, okay. I can see it. David Bell kind of feels forced. Austin, you know, Anthony Schwartz feels really forced. Watkins, you feel good. Diabite gets to come in the linebacker to give a blow to Anthony Walker. I feel good. That's what you want on this team. Guys who come in and you play, you're like, you know what? We're okay here. It's not a liability. There's been a lot of guys in the past who felt like a liability. Diabite and Watkins are not liabilities. They're good players right now. They're playing really well. They deserve to make this club. Both was re- both were really exciting to see. Thrilled. You know, the other the other thing that kind of stood out to me in this game, that's corner more on the other end. I don't know what the Browns are going to do with running back outside Nick Chubb. There was a report today from uh, Tony Grossi and from others on the ground on Sunday that Watkins, uh, not Watkins, I'm sorry, the, uh, the running back Jordan, and I forget his last name. Let me look it up real quick. Jordan, um, the running back they just picked up off the ground, is now taking over as the second running back, and I'm not surprised. I have not liked what I've seen so far. Um, I haven't really seen anything from Kelly that makes me jump. But Kelly's is not, again, not, not good. I think this young man is not good enough. Wilkins, Jordan Wilkins out of Mississippi. Wilkins, though, we'll have to see what he can do. I actually think Felton played well. I do. I don't, Felton played well. I like what I saw. But Felton's not an everyday back. He's just not. Demetri Felton's not an everyday back. Maybe with a combination of Wilkins and Felton, you can get a buy with it. We'll see. I can see that. 
Again, Felton doesn't make me nervous if he plays, you know, 10 or less plays. Maybe Wilkins, same thing. John Kelly, I just don't think is very good. And I don't think Hassan Hall is very good. We all know Nick Chubb is very good. But the backup running back position being over a point, I don't think that's been settled out yet. Still trying to figure out some things there. Conklin came out today on Sunday, especially after being a progression pro, um, um, concussion protocol. But he is back. He went back in, so he's not out of concussion protocol. And Elijah Moore looks like everything's fine there, which is good. It looks like the Browns are kind of coming out of this camp so far. They have one more game, but no major injuries. Um, everybody's kind of coming back at the right time. Conklin's the only one to keep your eye on now. Conklin tried to get back out there, made an attempt. He went right back in afterwards. Just couldn't quite get through it. Hopefully everything's okay with him. But so far, really no major injuries. Nixon, you know, Nixon scrapes and no injuries at the guys at the sideline. But really outside of Jerome Ford, and like I said, Conklin, everybody's been pretty much there. And that's my, you know, that's another one too. It goes back to the second running back. I hope at some point Jerome Ford can show up. It'd be nice. That's a nervous feeling if you're the Browns. I, I don't know what to think of Jerome Ford. And there's no signs of him coming back this week right now. Not Sunday. But are we really going to season without knowing what Jerome Ford can do? I mean, obviously the team does, but as a fan, it's kind of hand-wringing not to be able to see your backup running back. Wilkins, um, big week for him. Like I said, I think Demetrius Felton, if you play less than 10 plays, you're okay. And there's no sign of uh, Ford. I think the backup running back position, we mentioning, is a song to really watch here as we wrap up this next week, this last week of training camp, really. Browns have to figure out what they're going to do and what happens when Nick Chubb comes off the field. The starters are going to be playing on Saturday against the Chiefs at 1 o'clock. For how long? 25th, 20 to 25 plays seems to be the norm. Or I'm sorry, I shouldn't say norm, but it seems to be the approximate. Everybody's raving about the defense. Um, obviously, everybody, including myself, likes to see a little bit more from the offense, see what they can do. But again, I wouldn't read too much into a week of practices in Philly. That had to be a grinding week for the Browns. That's good for them. They need to go through a grind a little bit. Get them ready for the regular season. Nothing wrong with that. It's good practice. Literally. Go through a mental ground like that in Philly is a good thing. You're playing against a good team. I would suspect this week we're going to see more Shelby Harris. Defensive tackle, defensive line's kind of settled out now. Hopefully we get some reports of where Alex Wright, where Isaiah Thomas are. No word yet about their return either. The Browns are kind of starting heading down that stretch where you kind of get a vibe for how things are going. I think so far defense has been exciting. Offense, I think you feel good. Then you got the kicker. <laughs> so I'll stress again via the Browns. You're not holding on to a guy who's been here for a long time. You're not being holding on to a guy who had a great year last year. Kid York had one good kick. That's it. Why hold on? Why hold on? Browns seem to be content to doing so, though. That's your Browns this week. Again, playing on Saturday. We'll go through the roster stuff on Sunday's show next week. We come back. (laughs) 
Guardians Baseball. Welcome back to the Believe in the Land Show. My name is Andy Billman. Check out all things for your Guardians, for your Browns, for your Buckeyes football, for your Cavs coming up soon. We're going to get to the Cavs schedule and then the show. Go to BelieveInTheLand.com. Also, check out all sorts of great videos on the four teams talking sports all the time at the Believe in the Land YouTube channel. Finally, instantaneous thoughts after a game. Go to at official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. That is at official Cleveland Sports on Instagram. Check it out. Well, this week for the Guardians went two and four. They are now starting to fall down the trap of irrelevancy. I have been very positive on the Guardians all year. I still like where this team is. I really do. I like what the team's doing. I like where things are at with some of the things, which we'll get to. But after today's win with the twin with the Tigers win, Twins lost. The Guardians are now six games out on August 20th. That to me is almost the point where you start wheeling out a casket. Start bringing your loved ones around and cheer for the Guardians. And start giving proper hugs because I don't know if this is going to go too much further. I think we're about tapped out. It just is not working out. You can't go like the Guardians are going. Seven games under 500, six games back, only a game and a half up on the Tigers, who they've owned the Guardians this year. They're seven and three now. Three more games still left to play in Motown. It's not going good. Guardians just can't get their footing right now. I think the injuries have taken their toll. Excuses, 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 some people will say. It's not excuses. Their starting pitching staff has been demoralized with veterans. They have Noah Syndergaard, who wasn't on the club to begin the year, and then you have four other guys. Xavier Curry being one of those guys now. Peyton Battenfield, Hunter Gass, nowhere to be found. You don't even hear about Kyle Quantrill anymore. And this is the way it's going for this team. And then you throw in a Josh Naylor injury. The lack of hitting. And all of a sudden, a sporadic players who haven't been playing there all year. And here we are, two and four week. And it gets a lot tougher next week when they play the Dodgers and the Blue Jays. So you you know, don't want to say it. Don't like to, Don't like to do these things. But it's time to wee out the old coffin. So we're about ready to do a little bit of what could have been or what should have been. And the season is we're slowly slipping into the coffin. And the Undertaker's ready to just... Ready to say goodnight. Really is ready to say goodnight. Not good. Not good enough at all. And frankly, I don't know where this goes for the rest of the season because I think you're going to see now open season of players needing to play. When it comes to wins and losses, I think from here on on out, now the Guardians need to just say, let's just throw people out there. Manzardo, got him in the trade for Tampa Bay. Let's see him. Let's see what these kids can do. I mean, 
the strategy of trying to win day to day. You always want to do that. Season's not over analytically, mathematically, but you're you're starting to go up against a heavy hill. And reality is starting to set in. And reality is saying this is not working out. Just not working out. They have not been good enough this year. The injuries to the starting pitching, the injuries to Josh Naylor and to others in the middle of the season, not enough power hitting. It's all caught up. And you're starting to see the other wheels fall off. Brian Rocchio can hit, can't play in the field. Oscar Gonzalez, who was wonderful last year, I think is struggling. I think he's really having a very hard time in the outfield. That's been okay. And that's the other thing, too. There's really no one hitting for the Guardians. Just not adding up to good things for this club. Just not doing it. Just not adding up. Just not adding up. Not working out. Not good enough. Not good enough. What did the Guardians do from here? Guys start trying out players and get ready for next year. Play out the season. Maybe a miracle happens, but it's now miracle status. This is going to take a miracle to do anything. And the season's been a disappointment, and the injuries have just been too much. There has not been enough clutch hitting at all. The power hitting is just not there. We all know that. So this, is where, this is where we're at. We're at a point where it's just not good enough, and it's not going to get any better. Not going to get any better. It's going to take a major collapse from the Twins to do this, and I just don't see that happening, nor do I see the Guardians being able to rip off so many wins. Should they fire Terry Francona? No, they shouldn't. Hall of Fame manager has got a lot more years ahead of him. A lot more years ahead of him. Has he had his best year managing? No, he hasn't. Should Antonetti and Chernoff be fired? No, they shouldn't. Have they had a good season? No, they have not. For the first time, the front office and the manager haven't had their best. Front office whiffed on trades during the season. We don't know about the long term. And they whipped in their free agent signings. Mike Zineno nor Josh Bell worked out. We're going to find out about Colin Ranzardo. We're going to find out about what they're going to get for this young kid for Josh Bell and Wilson down way down the road. As of right now, it doesn't look good. And these young prospects who are scattered throughout the infield, all of them have their issues. Rokio can hit, can't catch. Really struggling playing the field. Tyler Freeman's been hurt, needs to be more consistent um, in little areas, but he might be promising. Okay, Arias can hit consistently, can really field, can hit. Cole Calhoun's not long-term. Um, Loriano, the new guy we got from the A's, been okay, I guess, but hasn't really hit much. Oscar Gonzalez has been a, a struggle. Will Brennan's okay. I think he's a good, steady player. Quan is having a sophomore year, which – Tends to happen a lot in baseball where he's kind of pressing. Wouldn't say that is going to define his career at all. Back to very typical baseball. Miles Straw can't be found. Can't hit. His defense has been very good, but not elite. 
Bo Naylor needs more time behind the play catching. And I mean, that's just where we are. That is just where we are. And it's frustrating because this team made the playoffs last year. And there's going to have to be some very tough decisions. This is not ending the way it should have been this year. They have to find a power of bat. Have to. You want to fire the hitting coach? Fine. I want to put this on the hitting coach. They need to find power. Guardians have to start finding hitting and power. What happened to him, Nez? What are they really going to do with Miles Straw? Rokio can hit. What can they do with his glove? Can Josh Naylor be healthy next year? We really need him. I mean, Jose can do some, but we need Josh Naylor. It's just been an exhausting, trying year for this club. What are they going to do with Shane Bieber is going to be a big question this offseason. Huge question this offseason, as it should. It's a big deal. What are, you, what are they going to do with him? I would think they would trade him. I think they'd trade him in the offseason. What are they going to do about Quantrill? What are they going to do about McKenzie? You ever heard anything about these guys? There's just a lot of questions about, boy, what are they going to do here? And, boy, what are they going to do here? And, again, they have all these prospects, and none of them have stood out. Bo Naylor, I think, will be the part. Rokio can hit, but I don't know what they do about his glove. Oscar Gonzalez has had a pressing sophomore year. I like Quan. I think I like Brennan, but I need to see more of Brennan still. Like him, but he should be playing more. Straw can't hit. There's no identity to this team. There's none. This team does not run and steal bases, even though they're they're not a power hitting team. They're certainly not a, and again, they're not, they're certainly not the latter. So where's the identity on offense? I don't know. Starting pitching, it's there. And Espino's right behind him. Starting pitching will be okay. You know, bullpen-wise, I think they're okay. They could add an arm, but I think they're okay. Probably going to see some more guys come up. I kind of know what we have there. I think we're going to be okay. Not great elite, but I think we're going to be okay. But this hitting and with his positions, these player and position players, I, I, what a, I mean, what a mess. Mess. M-E-S-S. Mess. Because there's players all over the field. They're going to need to trade some of these players. Can't keep them all. And they got to start putting together in more of an everyday lineup and not a hodgepodge of players. That's why I think they should start playing everybody. Floodgates have opened. And they're going to have to really figure out how they get power in this lineup next year. Got to be the focus. And start resting your young arms. Because, again, the undertaker is here. It's been pronounced. And, you know, if people want to go to the injuries are the big thing. The other big note of this year, power hitting for sure. And then head-to-head matchups with the division, the Guardians have not been doing well. They lost the season series with the White Sox. They're going to lose the season series to the Tigers. Can't win the division. Won't win the division. We'll make playoffs. Guardians don't deserve to make playoffs. They can't win games in the Central this year. Isn't that amazing? They're, they've lost the season series to the White Sox, and they're going to lose the season series to the Tigers, too. The, they're going to win it against the Royals and the Twins. We'll see. 
But those games in division, those things that the Guardians have really taken care of in the past, they have not taken care of this year. Been a very grueling season for this team. And again, they're going to have to really figure out what to do with all the Tyler Freemans and the Arias's and the Rokios, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Manzardo, what are you going to do with all these guys? What are you going to do for that other outfielder? I think you got a one and a half, two. I think Quan's everyday outfielder. I really do. What are you going to do in those other two spots? I don't know. Really a question mark. A lot of question marks sitting this offseason in there. Big offseason for the front office. You thought last year was big? This year is tremendously big. Guardians have a bad week, two and four. It's not over analytically, but the season for the most part is mindfully over. One more segment, Cavs schedule, we come back. Welcome back to the last segment here in the Believe in the Land show. My name is Andy Billman. Check me out later in the fall for all Cavs coverage at the end of every Cavs horn. I come on, final pitch for the Guardians, even though I don't think the season's got as much juice to it anymore. And, of course, the Browns and Brookeyes football. Go to Adificial Cleveland Sports. I'm on after every game. Watch them all. Check it out. At Official Cleveland Sports. Also go to BelieveInTheLand.com for your thoughtful, great articles on the three teams in Cleveland. And, of course, Buckeyes football as well. And maybe we'll get off there real quick before we get to the Cavs. So the Buckeyes training camp usually has some mojo to it, as it should. Talented players, big-time program, top five preseason ranking again. You know, it should have some juice to it. Um, in past years, it's always been a lot of hype, a lot of excitement. Last year was all about Bama and Ohio State, who's the better team, pa pa pa. And of course, neither one won, won the national championship, and neither one even made the championship game. And heck, even Alabama didn't make the playoffs. So it kind of went off or not. But this camp going into 2023, very talented wide receivers. Harrison Jr. has already been listed on a lot of top lists, as he should. The kid is a star. I think the kid's going to be, I think, going to New York. I think he's that. I think Harrison Jr. is that good. Top two, top three pick in the NFL draft. Ready to play like his dad did for the Colts. That good. Harrison Jr. is that good right now. Abuka's good. Many other guys are just flying around from what I've been told and from what we've been reading. Running back situation. Travion Henderson sounds like he's back. Sounds like they the running back position has been boosted this year. Sounds like they're going to be very good. Offensive line, I was never really concerned about. Any concerns about that's been put to rest. And according to everything I hear and read, defense will be improved with Jim Knowles. The talent will show this year. Think about that. It's checking a lot of boxes for a club. Then there's quarterback. No word yet if it's going to be McCord. No word yet it's going to be Brown. There's been no announcement on quarterback. Now, look, there is still time, obviously. And obviously, the coach has every right to say, hey, I'm not going to announce the starter until, you know, when I'm ready, which is obviously going to be sometime before the Indiana game. Or maybe he goes into the blind. I don't know, which is very weird. Very, very weird. From indications, it sounds like McCord's got the edge, but not really. But. What's been made clear through Ryan Day's press conferences is neither one's standing out to the point where they're grabbing the job. Doesn't sound like that's happened yet at all. 
This does not define the season. Doesn't mean they don't have a quarterback. All, all true. What it does mean, though, is it's putting an unnecessary stressor on a team that's very talented and thought of to do big things. Buckeyes need to solve this quarterback thing. It has not been solved. There's no panic in Ryan Day. There's no panic in the program, which you would not expect there to be any. But they have got to start figuring out what are they going to do a quarterback. They have no clue. They just don't have any idea what they're going to do. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. <laughs> going to be amazing to see what they can do at this position. Because, again, there's no sense of who's going to win that job. There is still time. They do not play this Saturday. They play one more Saturday from now. But you're starting to get down in the single-digit numbers. And even Ryan Day admitted that. So they got to start making a decision soon. More on the Buckeyes next week. Finally, the Cavs. Season schedule came out. Three quick observations. One, they need to win early. This back half of the schedule is brutal. But they have some games where they can win. So point number one, they need to take advantage of these days where they have lots of home games. November 17th through November 30th, they play one road game. November 17th through November 30th, two full weeks, one road game. Got to take advantage of that. They have another stretch like that from Monday, the first of the year, through January 17th. Got to take advantage of that. Those are stretches in the season where they play a lot of home games and not challenging. Outside of one Bucks game in January, everything is pretty winnable, and that Bucks game's at home. And that stretch from November 17th through 30th, I mean, you play the Lakers, Heat, and Sixers, but the, but the Sixers only won at home. They, uh, I mean, on the road, sorry. They do play the Nuggets, too. That's tough. So not the easiest stretch, but a lot of home games. Got to take advantage of those periods, those pockets, in particular the one in January. But that goes to my other point. The reason why they have to do that, the Cavs have a brutal end-of-the-year schedule. Because of the women's Final Four being in town, on top of the MAC tournament being in town, Cavs have a lot of road games from mid-March on. I mean, just, just a bundle. They have got to win these games early. Because once they get in this stretch where it's around March Madness, they are just never going to be home. There is a point, basically for almost a full month, where they play two home games. It's not quite a full month, but it's called 28, 25 days stretch where they only play two home games. And one of them is a long West Coast swing where they play at defending champs and end up in L.A. Sandwich with Utah and Phoenix in between. And their two home games are Philly and Memphis. Brutal stretch. I mean, March is... They have got to win early. They've got to win those games. Very, very crucial. The third note on this... They have a lot of back-to-backs this year. They have an early back-to-back, a home-and-home with the Knicks. They actually almost have a back-to-back with the with the um, Warriors, which is interesting, but they avoid that with a game in between with Oklahoma City. And, back, and then they have back-to-backs, but they have two really hard back-to-backs, one against Boston, both in Boston, and then another one later in late January against the Bucks, both in Milwaukee. They're going to have to conquer these back-to-backs. They did pretty well last year. They're going to have to conquer them. Cavs are going to have to conquer 
the these these back-to-back games. It's going to be a big part of their schedule moving on forward. They play multiple of them throughout the year. They also play the Wizards and the Hornets and a couple other clubs multiple times. They got to take it. It's like baseball. Got to take advantage of it. It's going to be crucial not to get swept in those games. Win those games. Very, very important. Lots of back-to-backs for the Cavs this year. Again, that stretch in November, tough schedule at home, but at least you're at home. And after the new year, you have a two-week stretch where you can really eat a lot of cake. Wizards twice, Spurs at home, uh, Nets at home, Bulls at home. And you finish up with Milwaukee um, at home. I mean, that's in Toronto on the road. Toronto's down. They start off in the year at Brooklyn. Then they come on to play Oklahoma City and Indiana. Then they play the back-to-back home-and-home with the Knicks after that. So quick road game with a three-game homestand before they or a three-game home court. I guess we don't call it the you know, homestands more baseball. We'll get more in the Cavs as we get going, but the schedule's out. Got to take advantage of those back-to-backs. Got to win early. This March is going to be oof. <laughs> brutal, 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 brutal. Cade York. Everyone's hand-wringing on what to do. Can't stress this enough. I feel for the young man. It's not about him as a person. I think it's time to move on from Cade York. Get someone else there making kicks this year. This is not a developmental year for the Browns. We're going to see Deshaun Watson on Saturday against the Chiefs. We're going to see the offense. Don't think we'll see Chubb. Good time to see what we got here with the Browns going against the Chiefs before they round out. Defense is very, very hyped up. The Guardians, sadly, season's not analytically or mathematically done, but we're getting there. It's not good for our guards. Getting ready for next year. Buckeyes, no quarterback name yet. Big preview on the Buckeyes next year. And then finally, finally, the Cavs schedule is out. Believeinland.com. Go to at official Cleveland Sports on Instagram and go to Believe in the Land on YouTube. My name is Andy Billman. Um,